Welcome to the Super Givers Podcast. I'm Jesse Johnson. Today, speaking with No Judgment, Just Love founder Sharon Ria. Sharon is a powerful and rare coach who specializes in working with families and has incredible experience and wisdom from the standpoint of parenting teenagers. Listen in as Sharon gives insight into a movement as simple and wide reaching as it is inspiring. All right, I'm here with Sharon Ria, family relationships coach and founder of the global No Judgment, Just Love movement. Welcome and thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. What's the first thing you're most excited to share about with all, all the stuff we've been chatting about? No Judgment, Just Love is real, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is tangible. It is life-changing. It is real. Okay, so give us a quick definition. What is it? Uh, No judgment is a full sentence. Just love is the full sentence. And together they create the inspiration for people to choose to live that way. It is a practice. It is constantly a practice because every day, because we're human, in every way we judge. That's normal and natural. And I'm not suggesting by no judgment that you are not to be human. What I am encouraging is that judgment is just the beginning. So whatever it is that you have decided, that person's over there, I'm over here. They're taller, I'm shorter. They're black, I'm white. Whatever the judgment is, take a pause and decide how you respond to what you heard in your head. So how will you speak? What actions will you take? How will you choose to shift that thought, that judgmental thought, not only about someone else, but absolutely about yourself? Because we judge ourselves very harshly sometimes. So I'm picking up that this is largely judgment specific to relationships, relationships with self, relationship with other people. Is that right? Relationships with the earth, relationships with animals. Our lives are relational that's who we are. And so it is, it permeates every single part of your life. I live in Arizona. Let me just share quickly about extending it past the human. I live in Arizona. I live in Scottsdale. I used to live near a marsh, like a waterway. And I had scorpions in my house all the time. I mean, all the time, not every day, 20 or 30, but at least once a week, one, which is way too many. Zero is what I was going for. (laughs) (laughs) And so initially I followed common culture, smash them, kill them, whatever you need to do to get rid of them. Well, in my learning and allowing and choosing to be no judgment, just love, that is a, a life. That animal, insect has weight with me. And so what I chose to do was take a clipboard, take a cup, and whenever I saw them, I would get them under the clipboard, put the cup, and take them outside far away from my house. And I did that for almost two years until the time that I moved from that house and I moved my TV stand and saw a pregnant uh, scorpion behind and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> you cannot be here and have babies. Sorry, you got to go. <laughs> the judgment came down. <laughs> yes, it came down. But the love followed. 
meaning there's a life. She's got a family that she's trying to have, but she needs to have it outside. Yes, I know I'm in your world. This house was built, but now I'm here. So I respect you and I respect me. We just don't need to live together. Mm. <laughs> How do you see that um, as, as an analogy for the human world that we're living in right now? Oh my gosh, Jesse, it is huge for our human world. And, you know, I think about this a lot because I am a beautiful black woman who has lived a long time in this world in a number of different locales. I've been in New York for 20 years. I'm not going to give all the years because then I don't give my age away. (laughs) (laughs) No judgment. That's right. (laughs) Just age. I'm still here. (laughs) I've lived in St. Louis and Maryland and D.C. and New York and now here. And here is very different from the East Coast. Uh, The complexion of where I live is pretty limited. Um, And so I've become willing to see through my initial impression of people because I grew up. And I had judgments not only placed upon me that I adopted, where I see certain things and I make a a negative judgment, I'm fearful of you, or I don't trust you, or you're better than me, any of those things. But we all carry a reason to be here. And that reason to me is divine and necessary and valuable and to be loved and respected just because you're here. And so I really work with my, what I'm asking people to do. I, this is my life. I practice it. When I come up with a judgment that would cause me to see you as either broken or separate or angry, I choose to show love to myself first because I can't give what I don't have and then see you as whole, human, loving, and valuable. We think we ch- I change. We change our world. Yeah, there's a couple different directions I'm I'm curious about, and I'll let you choose. So one is, when is this especially challenging for you to practice? And two, maybe help people understand how you're implementing this movement in the world. Like, what does the actual practice look like with people? Oh, okay. Well, the the first thing I did was uh, I'm an entrepreneur, a brand new one, six seven years ago and did not understand, because I'm more of a spontaneous entrepreneur, not a methodical one, that people were telling me, well, the name of your company is, the or business is The Whole Family Coaching. And in order to market that, you need a tag, a tagline. And it can't be more than six words, gotta be less than four, you know, all of those things. And I thought, oh goodness, no judgment, just love came into my mind and it just fit for the whole family coaching, because there's so many judgments within our family. And my coaching expertise is with parenting and how to move through raising teenagers, parenting after divorce, single dads who I love so much, and multi-generational families. So if I could use that tag for my company and then embrace it in my life and be that for other people as I coach, then that was real for me. So what I did was as a business, you also need collateral things to give people so that they remind you of them. So I created a charm. It's called the no judgment, just love charm. 
and it is uh, it has weight. It's made of pewter. It's in a rectangle shape. There is a raised, clean, clear heart with the words, no judgment, just love. And my goal is to have that be a tangible item that people can either carry or have where when a judgment comes upon them, if it's on their pocket, it's hanging from their cor- uh, car rearview mirror, and they're yelling at the person in front of them, <laughs> that, <laughs> that charm can remind you, you know, you don't know that person's story. They could be on their way to the hospital and they just didn't see you. So that is one way. The other way is I've written a book called Children and Divorce, Parenting Tips to Help Your Family Cope and Adjust. And No Judgment, Just Love permeates that book, because as you can imagine, when you're going through divorce, which I have been, uh, there's so many judgments on yourself. What did I do? Why didn't, you know, so many things that go on. The second thing I've done that's tangible in the world is I I have created a magnet that says, I am No Judgment, Just Love. Everyone is worthy of love without judgment. And I always give them out for free. I've been doing this for about three, two and a half, three years. And I usually give two to people. Either I'm having a conversation with them and they say something that inspires me to want to give them these two magnets. But I always ask permission first. Would you like to receive a gift? Uh, Often I get a yes. And my goal is to, and usually people's response, Jesse, is, oh my goodness, I needed that message today. Or, oh my goodness, I know someone who needs this message today, which is why I give two. So you keep one for yourself and then you become the movement of this message by sharing it with someone else through a magnet. Mm. The other thing I'm doing is I'm writing and uh, a coloring journal book for No Judgment, Just Love. My goal is to be sponsored for a book tour around the country first and the world next to be able to talk about some of the quotes that I have made for myself that motivate me when I'm in, you know, a situation of judgment that I have trouble getting out of, that you can sit with the words and journal about what that means for yourself. And at the same time, coloring is a meditative activity So the pictures that will be in this book resonate with the words to help you discover where your judgments are. And then you get to choose. This this world is a choice. You get to choose, am I part of the solution or am I not yet willing to move off of where I am? Lovely. And it sounds like you're saying at the heart, at the heart of it, judgment is so dangerous because it can be a a disruptor of connection and um it can be painful and it can break contact between people is there is there more that you can say about why it's so important to be putting our consciousness towards how we're how judgment is affecting us in our relationships yes i think most people want to be happy <laughs> most everyone wants to be seen, respected, and loved. Mm -hmm. Those are basic qualities that I believe no matter where you are on this planet, you share that. And when we judge by superficial things, you know, the way you look, the clothes you're wearing, what country you're from, to me that's superficial. There's no lines on this planet dividing us up. 
then when you judge, and again, it's not the judgment, it's what you do after that, right. that causes us to be more separate rather than together. And finding solutions to whatever our global world challenges are. When you are recognizing first that you matter, you matter, who you are is important. And you spend time discovering who that is so that you can stand strong in, yes, I like roses better than chocolate. So please don't give me chocolate. I receive roses best. That's just a minimal thing to say, this is who I am. (laughs) And I'm not apologizing for that (laughs) because I know most of the world loves chocolate. I don't want chocolate. (laughs) 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 And so when you know who you are, it is so much easier to give allowance for other people to be who they are. And that is how we come together. Everyone is on a journey discovering what they like, what they don't like. But at, it, at their core, I believe everyone wants to be accepted wherever they are on that journey. Because as soon as you start to judge and separate, now I have an us and them situation. I have a compet- competitive situation. and we have in us that we want to win or we have in us that we don't want to fight. So we lose. And none of that will bring us together as we've seen for centuries. Yeah. It's really fundamentally changing the, um, the intent around human relationship from win lose to win win as, as an oversimplified way, but it really reminds me of, of nonviolent communication and the spirit behind that. Yes. And, you know, win-win again. Well, here's here's something I want to offer to the listeners to ponder and consider. In my opinion, I have been sold a hill of beans about what definitions things are. (laughs) And there is a moment, there was a moment in time 10 years ago where I said, I'm questioning everything, every single possible thing that I have been taught or adopted. I'm questioning, does it fit me now? especially under the umbrella of no judgment, just love. And so when you talk about win-win, usually people can't hear win-win. They hear win-lose, (laughs) win-lose. And so if you don't begin with you and surplant your feet in this beautiful planet that we're on and say, I'm here and I matter, And from that, then you can give everyone else the opportunity, if you choose, to allow them to matter. And when two people matter, then win-win can happen because you're not giving up anything. In this case, you're really saying that we oftentimes need to start with loving ourselves. I'm saying absolutely. That is exactly where it begins. Yeah. And loving yourself isn't like a fluffy little cotton ball. Loving yourself is challenging. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is hard work to, to be able to have no judgment for the things that you probably were not responsible for, but are now that you were taught, that you adopted, that you just went along with. And to be able to be courageous and selfless to say, yep. I'll give you a little example that's very telling to me. The other day, I live in Scottsdale. I have, I'm on a street where there are a lot of houses close to each other. It was nighttime and the weather was beautiful. Scottsdale is uh, 
you know, when I first got here, there were three black people that I saw in a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we're not the majority here. Um, and I lived in New York and Maryland and D.C. where there were cultures all over the place. But I've been here for 21 years. So talk about conditioning. Hmm. So I go outside and I see this figure coming up the street. And the person has on a hood, like a sweatshirt, because it was a little chilly. And they're bl- it's a black man. And in my heart, I went, uh-oh. And I looked at myself, I'm like, what are you doing? Mm. <laughs> where, did that, where did that come from? And I waved at him, and I went back in, and I literally sat myself down. And I said, all right, what was that? So judgments in our head are not necessarily something we expect them to be. I didn't expect to be afraid of anybody. And to be kind to myself, to be loving to myself, to get through how I came to that conclusion is the essence and the practice of no judgment, just love. Yeah, and it sounds like there was an element, a really crucial element of self-reflection involved. Yes, which we don't give ourselves time to do. We're busy, 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 go, go, go. Fill up this empty space with something to do and the space is uh, well served by being filled up with sitting with you. Go to your desert island in your imagination and just uncover who you really are and have no judgment for that. Just love on yourself. So what's your go-to success story that you've seen so far? And and it sounds like you've got some... Of your, of your own, which we'll get to. But, um, you know, what have you seen that people can connect with around like transformation in this arena? <laughs> I just had the awesome opportunity to be at a middle school 10 minutes from my house to talk about stress and coping with sixth, seventh and eighth graders. That's 11 to about 15 or 16 year old. With every student in the class, I'm sorry, in the school, in their social studies class, and then in an assembly. And these young people don't know me <laughs> from any, I mean, they don't know me. Mm-hmm. And I got over 200 notes from them after I finished saying, thank you for showing us about no judgment, just love. I get judged every single day here in my life in this school. And you shifted the energy in my classroom. The boys that used to interrupt the teacher all the time, are now being kinder to her. I had three young men ask me, I have no judgment, just love shirt, t-shirts as well, ask to have a t-shirt that they took a picture of wearing three of them. (laughs) (laughs) Big, huge guys that, you know, have their teenage hormones going and they're sitting there with their smiles on their face with no judgment, just love t-shirts. That's tangible to me. To have people that call me and say, Sharon, I was in a judgment place and you're the only thing that popped into my head that stopped me. Hmm. You know, and it's not about me. It is about me being uh, aware that this is my honor to bring this message to the world in my way. Other people do this as well. I'm not the only one. It just happens to be me in this way offering people the opportunity to get what we all want, which is love. Hmm. Hmm. I am inspired every day, Jesse, by not only my friends that call me, but I'm, I'm pretty prolific on social media. And 
I put up things that are no judgment, just love quotes. For instance, um, uh, oh, geez, <laughs> coming to me right away. Um, it's important to be present when you're present. Otherwise, people miss who you are. So I had the opportunity to talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas when it's very struggled as a struggle time for families going through divorce, trying to see who's going to go to whose house. And I'm there and I'm bringing all this nastiness with me and I can't sit next to your dad because. uh, And to be able to recognize you have a choice of bringing that ugliness there or not. If you can't come whole and ready, then stay home. That's no judgment. That's allowing you not to be frustrated and them not to receive what you certainly don't really want to give. Yeah, and you were talking about this before we started. Where else are you seeing opportunity to embody this uh, way of life in your family systems work? There are a number of families and that are struggling right now with raising their teens. And that is because we as a society don't necessarily honor the teenage years. It's just close your eyes until they become people again. (laughs) 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 You know, as a dad, you understand that from zero to seven or eight, they're just cuddly at whatever you want, mom and dad. I'm happy to do that. Or maybe they have a little tantrum, but mostly they want to do what you ask them to do. Well, Teenage years, not only do they not want to, but they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're trying to find out who they are. And if we could love them in that way, allow them to not harm themselves or anyone else, but really understand who they are with less judgment about their behavior mm-hmm. and really focus on the child that you have in front of you, the privilege to help them. So how how would you suggest that a parent of a teenager shift their mindset if they're struggling right now with a, a, a kid in that stage and they want to embrace um, acceptance and love of, of their child's behavior in this stage? Like, how do they start doing that? <laughs> hmm. Okay, y'all ready for my answer? Yep. <laughs> you better start with you hmm. because what they see is what they model. And if your child is texting while they're in the car, when they're learning how to drive, guess who's been texting in the car while they were six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. If they are speaking ill about someone else, guess who's been speaking ill about someone else that they've been modeling and watching. And so that's not to say, beat yourself up about it. It's to say, it begins with you. Because you can't see through the eyes and the lens of love for your child if you don't have love for yourself. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I'm even taking some of that in as I imagine how I'm modeling for my almost four-year-old. And I can and I can see behavior even at that age, which is, you know, which is developmentally sort of like a, almost like a foreshadowing of, <laughs> of, the, of the rebellion of the teenage years. But yeah, that's powerful. And the powerful other thing, Jesse, is our verbiage. The words that we use either motivate us or demotivate us. And I've been trained, I'm a communication specialist with how you interact with your own thoughts and and share those with others and receive thoughts from others. And so when we say the teenage years are the rebellion years, 
that's how we frame how we're going to deal. Now we have to deal with a rebellion. But when you can say that they are the transformative years, they are the discovery years, now your eyes are wide open to see, oh my, what will they discover? It's a whole different shift in mm. just one word. Love that. Yeah, you're giving me live um, transformation on my own parenting. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I'm happy for your son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am too. And he, he, yeah, he he's, he's probably appreciative as well. Get it together, Dad. <laughs> yeah. You got things to do, Dad. <laughs> and then may I just add this, because my girls are 27 and 21. So the first major shift that parents can make to see their children as a human that is learning and discovering rather, the, rather than a behavior that has to be managed is start with yourself. What are you modeling? The second thing is if we can remove labels from everyone, remove the label of my child once they become in the teenage years. If you have that label, let it motivate you to say, I'm going to raise my child to what they are best, not what I expect them to be or society expects them to be. Now, if those two things line up, great, but allow them to become who they are meant to be, because in the scheme of our planet and humanity, we need them to be that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I just, I was just thinking that. Like, does your worldview hold a vision for what this emerging generation needs and can become? Yes. Can you imagine that when we all, and I, and I really mean all, because I believe that the young people that are being born now and the ones that are leaving are going to begin a whole new sh paradigm shift of how we live together. And so when we can have allowance for everyone to be who they are and discover why they're here and what they love, then we can respect the CEO as much as we can the person who chooses to clean my toilet because that's what they love. I wouldn't love to do that, but they do. So why should I belittle that? When it's a need for them to find their joy, and it also happens to be a service that I would love, but, <laughs> but I mean from that spectrum, mm. so that when you look at your children, understand they didn't come here to live in the world that we've already created. They came here to create a world that we're going to live in, which is going to need different talents and skills and inquisitiveness and generosity and courage that we may or may not be displaying right now. And when you shut them down and say, don't, and you shut them down and say, that doesn't fit, you're denying our humanity to grow. I have to calm down. I'm getting up on my box. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm inspired by your words. And then also that parent part of me comes in and says, yeah, and... <clears throat> how do I keep my environment safe and, and my kiddo safe, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where the rubber meets the road in parenting, I think. Can we hold the space for humanity 
while also providing as much of a guide as developmentally appropriate. I would like to share with you, uh, this middle school experience last week it has been profound. And there was a security guard. And the reason I know he's a security guard, not only because he's told me, but his shirt had security guard all over the front of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so nobody could mistake who he was. Mm. <laughs> and he was a wonderful soul in a package of this big, burly, goateed, scowly-faced man with a hand that was big as a football. Because when he came and shook my hand after all the students left, he said, I, I need to tell you something. He says, I have not had conversation about my um, perspective on this gun issue in our country because, with his family because I don't want to get into that conversation. But last week, we got into that conversation. And I want to tell you, Sharon, that what you are doing with No Judgment, Just Love and these young people is the answer. Because when you show them, oh gosh, get ready to cry, sorry. Hmm. <laughs> when you show them that they are valuable, you tell them that you love them and you don't even know them. You give them their ability to, to discover who they are. You can have a thousand guns around that person and they're not inspired to pick it up at all. So safety doesn't become an issue in that way. Hmm. We're only afraid of what we don't understand or that we shun or that we judge. I was blown away mm. for him to have the wherewithal and the willingness to come and share that with me. And he stood with me for about five minutes or so, which is a long time for someone who's supposed to be the security guard mm -hmm. to be away from their job and talk to someone. And Jesse, you know, it's interesting. I am sitting in this beautiful silence. And I know on podcasts, silence is like challenging because people go, oh, what happened? Did my thing go? What happened? Where? where did... <laughs> but sometimes when you, when anyone speaks and I just feel like I was channeling something or just speaking from a place of pure heart for me, that the silence allows it to rain softly on your essence and take it in if you choose. So silence and the spaces in between our words, we miss often because we're such doers that we want to fill up that space with something to do. Well, thank you for allowing both the space and the words can we shift into another angle here? Absolutely. I was really loving where you were going. Well, and maybe this is a continuation. So in a retrospect, in retrospect of your life, um, as a woman of color living in various communities throughout this country, was there a moment or a dynamic that in your life that was pivotal towards where you are today, bringing you into this way of living? Absolutely. When I, like I said, when I moved from New York and I was a lobbyist in the legislature, so I got to experience a lot of different cultures, a lot of different uh, 
national issues, state issues. So I was very involved in human behavior and thought. And from a perspective of, again, (laughs) the reason I got hired as a lobbyist was because the complexion of the legislature was changing. (laughs) 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 And old white men were not being um, um, elected. It was young people of color. So we need somebody to relate to them. Mm. I just thought that was hilarious. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so when I got here... Uh, living on the street that I lived on and being in the space that I was in across the street, there was a gated community. And I had met some women who were having a party. We all were from New York. We're so happy to find each other here in the desert. And so I'm driving up to go to the party and the person at the gate said, oh, are you working the party? Let me see if I can find your name. (laughs) I thought, what? Where am I? Oh my goodness. So that was the first one. Then my friend and I went to festival. You know, there's festivals here all the time. And I'm on the left. She's on the right. And the cubicles where all the vendors were, were on my side. And this person was saying, hey, I've got some free stuff. Now, my friend, sweet friend is tall and blonde and I'm not. And he walked around me to go talk to her. And I thought, "Okay, come on. Two times? This is... This can't be imagination anymore. And so the third time it happened were some fellas in a car that I thought they said some derogatory term to me as I was walking and they were driving by. And it was at that point, Jesse, and this is like, I don't know, 10, 15 years before No Judgment, Just Love for me. Hmm. So it must have been in my soul even before I put it down on paper. And I just said, Sharon, you don't even know what they said. You don't know why they said what they said. You don't even know if that's about you. So why are you assuming and making it hard for you when they're a happy-go-lucky fish gone off doing their thing, and now you're stuck here with this negative feeling that maybe they were being harsh to you? So it was at that point, Jesse, I decided I get to choose how I feel about what someone says. I get to choose if it stays with me or not. And I get to choose if I decide to address it or not. And that was a huge, huge shift because people are going to say lots of things to all of us that we don't like. But we speak from our pain and we speak from our joy. And most often in this country, we're speaking from pain. And if you can allow people to move through their pain by not being something that they have to rail against, there's that win-win thing. And just be who you are and allow them to say it. And you get to choose, okay, is it going to affect me or not? That's your choice. That's how we shift and change, I believe. Yeah, and in those those three instances, you had an opportunity to change the whole power dynamic around your own experience, right? Like you got to decide, I claim my own inner experience. I've seen this with, with clients all the time. Even the language of... You made me feel. <laughs> that's a, it's a big one, right? I'm sure you see this yes. in family systems work all the time. You made me feel. Actually, I don't believe that anybody has any power to make, air quotes, make me feel anything. That's my choice, how I can relate to something. doesn't mean I can work through my feelings easily all the time, mm-hmm. but it does mm-hmm. mean that I have ownership, and that changes everything, doesn't it? 
Absolutely. And that was the thing we talked about in the stress and coping workshops with the middle schoolers. Stress is what you make it. There's nothing stressful in this world until you choose to see it as stressful. Yep, we're all making our own stories. <laughs> yes, we are. And we get to write them differently if we choose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that vision of I'm the director of my own life's movie, and I get to choose who's in my movie. So cut, you're fired, you're out of here. <laughs> Next, who wants to audition? <laughs> so that's so that's a that's another question that I'm curious about. If you're willing to share, when when is a moment in your life, and maybe it was one of those three you mentioned, where you had especially an especially hard time choosing love, or maybe you failed, <laughs> and how did you deal with it? Okay, so here's for all the parents out there. And I am unsure whether my uh, child will ever hear this, but I have always asked their permission to share their story that it relates to my life because it's a teaching lesson. I have a daughter who uh, she and I have a very difficult time talking with each other because she's a scientist and I am not. And she sees the world through her head and I see the world through my heart. And so when we were younger, uh, up until she was mm, 20, 18, 20, you know, we worked at it. Okay. So we would have an hour and a half conversation. We'd come around to the end and we still didn't agree, but we, we worked at it. And now for probably the past four years, she hasn't spoken to me at all. Period. Uh, she, she texts once in a while. Maybe I've had three texts, um, in a year that says, I love you, but it's never initiated by her. It's in response to something. Cause every now and then I just text her and say, I'm thinking about you. I know you were born at 1234. It's one, two, three, four. And I'm thinking of you or something like that. And there was a moment where I chose to let it go with no judgment, just love because it hurt so much as a mom to have a child not pay attention to you. It also hurt as a mom to try and help that child pay attention to you in ways that didn't work. So that's where I uncovered the suggestion that I have to parents to remove the label at some point of my child. This is a young adult woman in the world who I have had the privilege to be in her life to guide her for a certain amount of time. And now she has her own thoughts and her thoughts right now are not including me. And that became okay with me, Jesse, because I said, you know, when you go fishing, sometimes you get a fish you want, and sometimes you get something you really don't want. So I'm not going fishing. I'm going to love me with no judgment. I'm going to love her with no judgment. And if and when we come together again, that will be beautiful. But I can't live my life waiting for that moment. Hmm. What do you think she would How do you think she would respond or react or experience hearing that today? Um, It would probably cause her to pause because I don't think she um, would expect me to think of it in a loving way that way. I think she would expect me to be hurt, to be angry, to be uh, resentful. And I'm none of those things anymore. Certainly, I went through all that. <laughs> yeah. 
but I choose to love me. And by loving me, since I get to choose how I react to something, I'd rather be happy, joyful, and peaceful. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you and I could have a whole interview based on how, how people in family of origins can often relate to the versions of each other that they, that they remember from the past rather than um, like upgrading to the present and how that's a process in itself, right? Yes, it is. And it's very valuable for parents of college-age students. I offer this suggestion to all of you if you're on this listening when your child goes away to college and they live at the dorm or they go to another state and they've left in August and they come back at Thanksgiving, look at them with new eyes. Treat them not how you used to treat them. Wait and see and uncover how you relate to them now. Because those three months, they have grown huge outside of your care. Yeah, I love that. I remember feeling that uh, as a student. And I think that could be even a daily practice for parents with kids of any age too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what if I, what if I don't, you know, what if I look at my child with the assumption that I don't know everything? And Oh that, my God. Yeah. That person has lived something different today that has expanded who they are by, by some measure. And I could go into that with curiosity rather than um, presumption. Exactly. Just wait till he starts kindergarten or preschool. He's going to have a whole day where you're not involved with what he's growing into mm -hmm. be. Okay. Have we made space for this, you know, the piece you mentioned? And is there anything else that you'd like to share about? Um, I would, I would just love to share that if anyone is inspired by this message, go to my website, www.nojudgmentjustlove.com. And you can spell it with an E or without an E. There's no judgment for you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get to the same place. <laughs> and there's a, a short five uh, suggestion pledge that you can take. And you can print it out and share it with your family, share it with your friends. And it is a, a, just a way to consider living and practicing no judgment, just love. Beautiful. And is there any other way that the listeners can support your work directly or, uh, or indirectly? Uh, yes. If you go to that website, you can uh, connect with me and send me an email. I also have a Facebook page where I post often about things in our world that are shifting and changing. There's so much positive acceptance and allowance happening that we don't always see on the news. So I would love more interaction on my Facebook page and, tw and uh, Twitter. Um, also, as the uh, No Judgment, Just Love coloring journal book comes out, if you can support that, and that'll be on the website when it's ready, uh, that would be an awesome way too. But mostly, just find the space in your heart to release as much judgment as you can for yourself first. We're all doing the best we can, even if it doesn't look like it to everybody else. <laughs> Well, that's a great note to end on, I think, Sharon. Um, thank you so much for being on the show and showing up as who you are and being a model uh, for love in the world. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Jesse. I really appreciate you. 
To learn more about Sharon Rhea, check out nojudgmentjustlove.com. It's time to leave you with the question of the day. Think of someone in your life you've made into an adversary. What could your life become if you let go of whatever you're holding against them? To find out more about the world of supergivers, head over to supergivers.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, click on the podcast link and send in an application. If you'd like to practice giving towards this show, please consider writing a review of the show and or consider telling someone you know to listen in on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Google Play. That's all for today. Thanks for listening and maybe even subscribing to the Supergivers podcast, where we celebrate ordinary people creating extraordinary impact in the world. I'm your host, Jesse Johnson, and I hope you'll pass the giving along. Mm